microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. to another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, myself, Mike. And I'm so glad, Ken, you were able to escape the Rebels. I know they were hunting you down, and they were getting, or the Rebels, the Imperials, and they were getting close. The Rebels <laughs> might have been hunting you down, too, for all we know. I got out. That's all that matters. This is true. Yeah, and we didn't have to come save you, unlike some other people. Hey, I'm yeah. sitting right here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, hopefully you didn't have to dump your cargo either. No, it made it intact, and I got out the plans I was trying to steal. What plans? Good work. There were plans to steal? Shh, wait, I wasn't supposed to say that, was I? No. Oops. Um, I'm going to start us off. Check out WookieRadio.net. I'm going to go through this fast like a New Yorker. Check out WookieRadio.net. On the homepage, on the right-hand column, you got ripped apparel, superhero stuff. Those are our affiliates. Check them out. Support them. It helps support us. Everyone be grateful, especially the cool stuff that you get. You know, I've gotten something from ripped apparel. I got the uh, the droid road shirt. And I think we talked about how... Um, I know I talked about it over on Mighty Marvel Geeks. How coming through TSA when going up for... Um, the my dad's loss uh, or losing my dad how the TSA agent threw a Star Wars re- a Marvel Star Wars reference at me of all things and it was because of the shirt I was wearing the the droid road t-shirt I was wearing from ripped apparel so I mean I, I, can, can you believe that walking through come out of the body scanner and he goes great shirt but there's someone missing I'm like who's that he goes triple zero mm-hmm. how uh, obscure reference is that <laughs> I like it. Oh, I did too. Um, the uh, with superhero stuff, they carry stuff by friends of the show, Bio World merch, like the Adat Driver backpack that I so desperately want. <laughs> The Han Solo backpack, the Rebel pilot backpacks, um, with the wallets, the keychains, the lanyards. A lot of that comes from BioWorld, and, and it's great stuff. There's some good quality stuff there. And uh, Zoe has taken over my TIE Fighter pilot backpack, and she loves using it. And the quality's good, as long as you don't overstuff it, like I did on the TIE. And I got to make some minor repairs to the to that backpack. <laughs> but that's all my fault, not not the pack. So, um, other than that, I'm assuming you guys are all caught up on Rebels. It premiered. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. Watching the first half hour, Zoe looked at me. She goes, you've seen this one, haven't you? I'm like, mm-hmm. yep, I sure <laughs> have. Saw that Celebration. Second episode, I loved. Did not see that one at Celebration. 
But, Ken, why don't you uh, lead us off with a recap? Oh, yeah. Well, th- basically, Rebels came back with a bang. Now, we already know oh, Dave Filoni's already said... Bang is an understatement. Huh? Yeah. Well, Dave Filoni has already told us that Rebels is going to um, be a faster pace this season. It's going to be a lot more serialized. One episode flowing to the next, flowing to the next to, fi- to finally tell the story. Uh, he's going to get to do what he did not get to do with Clone Wars and actually finish the story he started. Right. Uh, that's one of the reasons they decided to go ahead and they decided on their own to end the series. Now, we started off on Mandalore. Uh, some of the major things we saw, well, we get um, the first episode we, is all about saving Sabine's father. So it appears we've already met Sabine's mom and her brother and her clan. We find out that her, she gets her warrior side from her mother, but yeah. she gets her painting mm-hmm. artistic side from her father. Indeed. Her father's also a Mandalorian, but he's an artist. You you know how long I wanted to say that? (laughs) And didn't? (laughs) It's a cool twist because a lot of stories like this, especially ones for kids, would have like the mother be the artist and the father's a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool twist to it. I love the way they did that. Yeah, I do too. And uh, we also get to see the return of Bo-Katan, who's Lady Bo-Katan. More than Which just is another awesome one. And it's great because I think they used her just enough in these two episodes because she didn't dominate saying, hey, look, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, and hit you over the head with it. Mm. She's there a little bit to give a little bit of advice, and that's all that was needed. Yeah. So, uh, but the first episode is all about saving Sabine's dad because he's actually about to get um, executed to be made an example of. So they get together, Bo-Katan um, and Clan Ren get together. Uh, I forget what clan Bo-Katan was from, but her clan and Clan Ren get together to save Sabine's father. Uh, they save him all as well, and then till this giant weapon goes off that basically um, only hurts anybody wearing Mandalorian armor. And we find out the Mandalorian armor, no, no Mandalorian is wearing new armor. All of their armor is reforged into new armor from fallen Mandalorians. Yes. So their armor, everybody's armor is hundreds and hundreds of years old. And some of the, and it looks like this weapon targets something that's in the armor, in the metal that makes it so tough, but it also gives the weapon a specific target to hit. So it's designed to take out Mandalorians only. And we find out that this is the weapon that Sabine uh, created before she left Mandalore. I like that, that we finally got to find out what she did. What was, yeah. Because, I mean, she was in the Imperial Academy, hmm, just like Han Solo yes. was. Uh, and she well, always talks about how she like Han made Solo. Well, well, hold on, hold on. Han Solo may not have been in the Imperial Academy. That's never been officially until well, we see too. the new movie that, that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. It is right. old canon. That's yes. still Legends. Yeah, until we find out for sure. Yeah. So go ahead one, with where you're going. One way um, or the other. But, I mean, we we do have her talking about how she she had made weapons of mass destruction for the Empire. And she was upset that they were – on how they were being used and not was not the initial intent for how she wanted it used. Right. Yeah. Well I – lo- I, um, I liked how when the, the first thing they did when – when it, her father did when he got rescued was start uh, critiquing her art. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't anything about um, her leaving or, hey, it's great to have you back. It's Your art really hasn't gone any farther, has it? <laughs> but you notice he knew who was rescuing him because she had uh, dropped a paint bomb on the front of the transport. Right. Right. So, uh, but the, a couple things that we find out in this first episode, um, one of the major ones is we do see it looks to be an advance in the Hurricane relationship. 
Do, do you not remember the question I asked at, at Celebration? Yeah. Uh, in case you forgot, here it is again. Over here, Mike with Weeby Geeks and Woody Radio. I'm right here. Uh, Vanessa, we, we've seen in Season 1, Season 2, some tension, some relationship between her and Kanan. And Kanan. It develops a lot more and becomes a little more open in Season 3. Has that been a relief? And how much more do we get with that going into season four? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't call it a relief, per se. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's obvious that they, they've had a connection, and uh, that is explored further. And I think I probably should just leave it there. <laughs> um, but I think um, many fans who have been rooting for the space married. Oh yeah. Um, we'll we'll find it very moving. Yeah. What is he doing? <laughs> okay. Very good. Anyway, thanks for the question. <laughs> so I got felonied quite a bit. Yeah. And oh, by the way, well, the- I, I'm going to say happy birthday to Vanessa Marshall, whose birthday was on October 19th. So oh, nice. Happy birthday, Vanessa. Yes, happy birthday. Uh, the one thing cool is um, Kanan, during that conversation, tells her straight up, you know how I feel, and tries to push her into saying something what the way she feels. Mm. Oh, that's, So they've advanced in, this, in that part of it, at least. And, and again, I saw this episode at Celebration. So we saw that. Uh, this is what led to my question. And of course, yeah. everyone else, if you listen to the whole press conference uh, in our feed, and I will try and bring it back and pin it, on the homepage, so you have it for so people to listen again for a little bit. Um, I'm you, you hear other t- people, you know, talk about how will the show relate to Rogue One and the, and the effects of Rogue One, um, this and that. Vanessa really doesn't get questioned at all. So this is why I posed the question to her, and, I'm like, and I felt this was a great question. And I had so many people afterwards go, that was a great question. I wish I thought of it. That was an awesome question. Wish I thought of it. Because that that was an element in this first episode that I caught on to is, is that whole, don't you dare, it to, you know, I love you, you love me, neither one of us bear dying on each other type feel, especially with the tension yeah. happening on Mandalore. So um, to get Filoni like that and have Filoni <laughs> glare at her and glare at me a little bit. <laughs> Um, I think I hit close to the bone for something, and I loved it. It was great. Awesome. Well, we find um, that's we find a lot of that in the first episode. Also, in the first episode, you see Sabine's role as actually a leader of the Mandalorian people. She's taken a more active role in the leadership of the Mandalorian people, um, rallying around the Dark Saber. Now, it's not uh, um, it's not fully accepted by everyone because she was at. It is actually known that this weapon was created by Sabine. So there's a lot of people that are not um, with her on this. Yeah, uh, that's a, <laughs> one way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And you see, she is still struggling with the, trying to take a leadership role. Yeah. She doesn't want to do that. Uh, another one that actually um, that I didn't realize that another article had brought up is 
you know, everybody knows in um, the original trilogy, four, five, and six, there's only one Mandalor- Mandalorian you ever see. Right. And you notice in Clone Wars and in Rebels, there are Mandalorians around. Right. What happened to the Mandalorians? Well, if you think, this weapon. Now, in the end of the second episode, they destroy the weapon and destroy all the plans for it, but that doesn't always mean that it's always it's gone permanently. What's the chances that almost all the Mandalorians end up being wiped out by this or a copy of this weapon? And Could thus, be. you don't have any after this. Could be. It's an interesting no. thing to think about. Or, or, or who's to say, because we haven't gotten to the completion of the Death Star yet, who's to say Mandalore wasn't used as a test location as well? Yeah. Well, we saw Scarif was used as a test, technically, of a, um, the, what was it, like half power or something like that, and they destroyed half the planet, wiping out most of the life on that, in that area. Right. Uh, they did the same thing with Jeddah. On Jeddah, they destroyed a city with using a single reactor to power it. But but again, who's to say they didn't use it use Mandalore prior to that, and because of that, you know, destroying Mandalore essentially pissing off Boba Fett, who was off planet at the time. Yeah, that they they didn't that oh he he was you know that fan theory he was asked by Vader to go put some heat on Brew and Owen, and instead disintegrated them, and it's like okay. I get it. You destroyed some. I destroyed something you loved. You went and destroyed something that I cared about. Next time, no discrimination, no disintegrations. And that's what led Possibly. to that line. I mean, I know. I it's don't a, know. I know it's um, a stretch of a theory, but yeah. Well, you got to stretch. You're stretching in some other things too, because you got to think we've not um, technically Boba Fett. We don't know if he ever um, went to Mandalore. That's he was a clone of his father. Right. He was right. not raised. He was not raised on Mandalore as a Mandalorian. Right. I'm we don't know if he how, ever made it there. I wonder how strong his ties actually are to Mandalore because of that. Exactly. We know his father was Mandalorian. Well, right. But, we but could, he was a clone. So. Right. He was, ra- he was raised, as far as we know, in the Clone Wars by other bounty hunters. Right. But, but he knows of his Mandalorian roots. And who's yeah. to say, because of his dad, he didn't go back to Mandalore to train and whatnot to, to be more like his father. That's a Maybe. possibility. I know. It's well, all also, stretch. It's all stretch. Yeah. I get it. Also, I don't know if the Empire had destroyed Mandalore totally. I don't know if we would have actually seen him answering the call when the Empire calls for bounty hunters. Mm. Because, I mean, it's all um, well, legends. I, but it seems like even Death Watch had their own version of morality. Right. So they, they have a certain code. And something like that, I think, would go against either Mandalorian or even a bounty hunter code. You wiped out my entire planet, but I'm going to work for you. Maybe. But then also, if if it's, you know, because it was Han Solo that they were going after, that might have swayed him to, to, uh, to do it because he would want that bounty. Well, right. once again, there's no evidence that there was anything that, between Han and Boba except for the bounty. No, but, you know, Boba, the bounty was put on Han's head by Jabba, and we know that Boba, yeah. Fett, Boba Fett worked with Jabba, so... And oh, I, Boba worked directly for Jabba. I think he was Jabba's number one uh, bounty hunter. Right. So I'm guessing the price might have been pretty good, pretty high for Han Solo, too, so... Yeah. It might have been worth it for him. Who knows? This is true. I have a, I have a feeling a lot of this, or at least some of this, may be answered come May. Maybe. When we actually get uh, um, Han Solo origin of some sort, yeah. which we'll get to here in a couple minutes once we get done with Rebels here. But back to Rebels, 
Um, we do find in the second episode they um, they come up with a plan to destroy this weapon and wipe out everything to do with it. And we get Bo-Katan working with Sabine, and there's a lot of time um, of Sabine trying to talk Bo-Katan into take the dark saber and lead the people. And Bo-Katan um, going back with the, I had my time. I'm not the leader the people need. Right. So, um, and then also the the last major point I had on this was um, we do get to see Grand Admiral Thrawn return and Governor Price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that he is actually, I believe this is the first returning villain we've had since the beginning of the show. Mm. The first returning main foil. Because remember, we had the Inquisitor in the first one. Right. Second season was the two Inquisitors because right. the first one was gone. Right. Third season was they brought in was Thrawn. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thrawn and Price. And this is the first time they've actually had a repeating villain for a seri- for a season-long villain. And uh, we know, we remember, hmm. we are getting Rook sometime soon. Yes. Who's a being? Every bodyguard. Who is being voiced by Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. So, and I think, Mike, you had actually some highlights from these episodes. Yes, I do. Um, since, since we're talking two episodes, uh, which is going to be the way it is for, for a few weeks, um, I think we said it's what, three, four weeks? It's going to be like this? Something like that, yeah. Six episodes? Six, eight episodes? Quick. Yeah. Well, I think they're doing nine episodes. So, four weeks, four weeks of two a week, and then one by itself. And then they're going to go into winter break. And then they'll come back after with the rest. Uh, but I for, believe it's only, what, seven episodes after that? Because it's 16 total, isn't it? Uh, I thought it was 13 total originally. Might be 15. It's whatever the first season was. I think it's 15. Okay. Um, so the first, one of the first moments, jetpacks. How cool oh, is that? Everywhere. I see the jetpacks everywhere. Yeah. I think, um, my, I think my favorite was Ezra's jetpack. And him not yeah. knowing how to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bo Katan is right where, or is right when she says a Mandalorian with a jetpack is a weapon. Whether it's fighting to save someone from a prisoner convoy or facing off against jump troopers, the multiple ways the backpacks, uh, the jetpacks can enhance a battle, give Mandalorians a significant advantage. Two, uh, Bo Katan and Clan cries or craze. Uh, I think it's crease. Crease. I guess what could they be. said. Yeah. Um, of course, if you watch the Clone Wars, you certainly recognize Bo-Katan. I did immediately when I saw the armor, and I'm like, Bo-Katan. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I was nudging Eric going, Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan. Um, well, we were also, um, they teased this like almost two yeah. years ago. Katie oh, yeah. Sackhoff did the audio for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even if you've never met her before, because Zoe really hadn't seen her, uh, you're not going to forget her anytime soon. And I think Zoe would agree. Uh, she she really liked Bo-Katan, uh, this character, but she's still Sabine first, which <laughs> uh, I think we talked about over on Weeby Geeks. Mask, the, the Sabine helmet is now available by Anavos. Oh, yes. Awesome. 500 bucks. <laughs> oh, yes. But it would be so worth it. Um. It was nice to see her again. Uh, there's a certain symmetry in her return, especially when considered there's another Saxon to defeat. Uh, number three, Ulrich Wren, the rescue and the reunion. Uh, what can you say about the multi-vehicle, multi-person, train robbery style of rescue of Sabine's father? Other than that was awesome. It was. Uh, special shout out to the purple paint bomb and the over the cliff final moments. Being uh, from New England, I would say it was wicked awesome. <laughs> cool beans. <laughs> uh, 
Topping that off was Sabine's reunion with her father. So much said in a short amount of time, we suddenly understand so much more about Sabine and her past. Now, number four is the Duchess. But as we all know, the Duchess, Satine, is is dead. But it happens to be what Sabine named her weapon that we discover she she made. You know, while with the Imperial Academy. Um, and talking about a cliffhanger, it, it's it's a good thing we didn't have to wait a week because I was I had already waited since Easter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my God! They killed, they killed Tri- Tristan. They killed Ursa. No way! Um, but come to find out that uh, the relief is overshadowed a little bit because they are safe. Um, and you know, as hard as she tried to destroy it, the weapon led to her exile has been resurrected and has now killed more of her people. Um, and then number five, the Mandalorian Tie Fighter Defense Squad. This was cool. Mandalorian mm-hmm. with jetpack taking down Tie Fighters. <laughs> what else do you got to say? Um, you know, Ezra destroys one using a jetpack that he's still trying to get the hang of. <laughs> um, number six, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, hang on. I got with him trying to get the hang of it. Um, I'm flipping through the on another place on StarWars.com. Oh, they actually the have the gallery? gallery for this. And uh, that actually the original scene with him on it was inspired by the, um, the first scene of Cliff. I think it's Seacourt from the Rocketeer yep. when he first puts on the rocket. Yep. <laughs> but, the, but the whole rescue is kind of a resemblance to the rescue of um of Indiana Henry Jones. Jo- of Dr. Henry to- Jones in, in The Last Crusade, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark. Both yeah. of them had that. Uh, number six, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn's back. And uh, while Thrawn was able to locate the rebel base on Atollan and disrupt the work there, he's still looking to bring both the re- bring the rest of the galaxy under Imperial rule. Uh, his conversation with Tiber Saxton isn't just chilling, but it's a reminder that Thrawn's got multiple irons in the proverbial fire. Uh, number seven, the Mandalorian armor gets a bit cooler. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, number eight, Bo-Katan champion Sabine. When, when Sabine is threatened to finish bringing the, her weapon to full strength and she modifies it to go after Stormtrooper armor instead of Mandalorian armor, you know, she was ready to ramp it up and, and kill them. Yeah, mm. even though using Saxton's words, oh, I just want to teach you a lesson. She was ready to go after him and, and kill him. Um, but Bo-Katan steps in and talks her down, convincing, which leads to Sabine, you know, s- destroying the core, which ends up destroying the ship. But uh, Bo-Katan steps up and vouches for for her at such a time that it's so moving and shows both of their commitment to saving all of Mandalore. Uh, and of course, that leads to number nine, which I discussed a little bit with uh, turning the tables. And then number ten, Bo Katan gets the dark saber. Mm, that was cool. Yeah. So, um, and then honorable mention: the conversation between Finn Rao and Bo Katan about Sabine and why they both choose to support her. It's a short yeah, that was conversation. A good scene. It's a sh- short conversation, but it speaks volumes about Bo Katan and Sabine. Basically, yeah. how they're very similar. Um, even though they come from different paths, they're very similar. 
So well, uh, we saw that um, Katie Sackhoff was a guest star in here. There's another name I'd like to give a shout out to, and I picked it, I picked this voice out as soon as I heard it. Did you guys recognize the voice of Ulrich Wren, Sabine's father? It was sounded it? familiar. You was know who everybody, everybody should know who he is, huh? He was on Rome, wasn't he? I don't know, but I can bring him. Let me. Why is it not personal detail? I'm trying to bring up his IMDb. Let me try this again. It is Kerry um, Hiroyuki um, Tagawa. There we go. Known for he was in Kubo and the Two Strings. He's been 133, so he's done a lot of voice work. But some of the big ones I've known was um, he was um, Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat movies. Oh. It's Overwatch, um, Warcraft, a lot of video game movies. Uh, you've seen this guy everywhere. Uh, he was in Man of the with the Iron Fist, uh, Ninja Apocalypse. He has been everywhere, but it's one of those if you rec- see him, you recognize him. But he right. basically has played Shang Tsung since the Mortal Kombat movie started. Now, another actor in the series is. Um this continues the tradition of a veteran from the series Rome, uh, Tobias Menzies, who played Marcus yes. Jr. Junus Brutus uh, as as Tabor Saxon. Saxon. Uh, other alumni from Rome have included Kevin McKidd uh, as Finn Rowe, Finn Rowe, uh, Ray Stevenson as Gar Saxon. So. Yeah, so they they pulled in a lot of guest stars in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, how about we move move on to to the Red Cup? Yes, this one's the this one I think is the biggest news of the week. And Derek, this is all you. Well, as we mentioned earlier, um, we talked about the Han Solo movie. Well, it seems that it now officially has a title. And you'll you'll never guess. No, you'll never guess what the title is. Uh, They put a lot of thought into this one. Yeah, that's right. It's Solo. The Han Solo movie is titled Solo. (laughs) So (laughs) Ron Howard. It does have the tagline of a Star Wars story. That's true. Uh, Ron Howard uh, sent out a tweet that had where he showed uh, uh, the logo for the movie. Uh, and uh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's going to be called Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, and it's uh, going to be about uh, the Red Cups we all grew up with. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I find it funny. I saw this week, and I didn't, and this somehow flew under everybody's radar. Back in um, June, I guess Woody Harrelson tweeted a picture of himself from the set of Solo, wearing a T-shirt that had the Solo logo that he shows here that he revealed on mm. the breast of the T-shirt. Right. And somehow, no one picked this up. Either that or people saw it and thought it was just a working title type of thing. Probably that would be my guess. Because if I had seen that at the time, I probably would have thought the same thing. Um, so there we have it. Solo, a Star Wars solo story. Um, and that comes out in May. Can't wait. Oh, I see your dog's excited about it. She is. (laughs) She is. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, I'll say it's going to be interesting seeing um, how well this does only um, less than six months after um, episode eight comes out. I know. And then after this, we got to wait another almost year and a half for episode nine. I know. That's the hard part. Uh, um, So I like this. In addition to uh, Einrich, the Alden Einrich. How the hell do you say this? Ehrenreich. Yeah, that's it. Uh, (laughs) As Solo. Uh, Donald Glover, who's uh, one of my favorite actors, is playing uh, young Lando Calrissian, 
Woody Harrelson is going to be playing Han's mentor, which I'm still interested to see how that how he does how that role yeah. goes. I'm wondering and, if that's going to be a familiar name because they they've never even um, said anything about the name of that character. Mm. Well, we, if you remember too, they've also mentioned that Han Solo is not his real name as well. Yeah, I'm kind of not crazy about that, but. Uh, and it says it has Phoebe Waller-Bridge as the franchise's first female droid. Do they mean no? Uh, we, we've had Wait, other... no, it's not the first female droid. Yeah, I know that's the, what I'm um, like. Do they mean Flo? The... Flo and Dexter's diner was a female droid. Do they? Well, yeah, that's well, what the, I mean. There's, say, been some, the... there's been some other protocol droids that have had a female voice to it as well. Right. Yeah, TC421 on um, the Naboo starship on the beginning of Phantom Menace. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or on the Trade Federation starship. Sorry. Yeah. That's not like. What do they mean by that? Or do they mean? Oh, because that would be the Star Wars. So that's just plain wrong. So some whoever wrote this article doesn't know what they're talking about. Uh, well, it's screen crush. What do you expect? And then uh, Amelia Clark as the mysterious Kira. Uh, also on board are Tandy Newton, Paul Bettany, who came to the project during reshoots to replace a CGI character played by Michael K. Williams and Junis Suatamo as young Chewie. You know who? It's Johans or Jonas. Jonas. That's what Jan- it is. Jonas. Jonas. You, yeah, he spells it wrong. And then, um, oh, what's her name from the comics? That supposedly Solo's wife. I can't remember her name now. Oh, Sana. Sana. Could we potentially see Sana in this film? I never did hear. What was the resolution of that? Did they ever resolve that? Yes. I knew she showed up and said, "Hey, I'm his wife." The the. The resolution to that was is it was part of a um, smuggler's mission that they were on that they had to disguise as husband and wife oh. uh, because apparently she also had a thing with uh, Afra and that she and Afra were item at one time. Mm-hmm. Huh. This all happened during screaming. Was it during screaming Citadel? No, was it? No, I no. think it was before that. Before Citadel, when it happened during the time that Afro was being taken to the to the prison planet or pr- the prison base near the star, and the star was slowly starting to fall, or the the prison was slowly starting to fall into the star. Oh, I'm gonna have to look it up. I just read it like a couple months ago as I was getting caught up on stuff. Mm. Great story arc, though it really was. Yeah. So, well, speaking of story arcs. Ron Howard also teased fan favorite characters for the Han Solo spinoff, which is now Solo. Um, it's a solo movie. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why Han only shot. Um, Ron Howard made a pretty deep cut in his in one of the last teases he made before announcing the, the movie title. Uh, he posted a pic on Twitter with the hashtag tag and bink, revealing two fan favorites from Star Wars comic books that will be making a cameo in the highly anticipated spinoff. Created originally by Kevin Rubio, Tag and Bink are minor characters in the Star Wars comics from Dark Horse. The two who are known as the Rosencrantz and Gilderstern of the Star Wars universe accidentally and or deliberately influenced the events of the first and second trilogies. Diehard fans were pleased to hear the news as soon as Howard posted the pic, excited that ex- excited that duo will appear in the movie. Rubio was one of the most ecstatic, saying, Ron Howard just made my comic official canon. Thanks, Ron. 
I don't know if he made the comics canon, but he's made the characters canon. Um, two characters will be portrayed by the movie screenwriter John Kasdan and first assistant director Toby Hefferman, both who are seen in the photo dressed as imper- in Imperial uniforms. Kasdan responded to Rubio on, on Twitter saying, Thank you, Kevin. I'm a huge fan, and I had to get him in there and then had to play it myself to do it justice. So... Uh, as we know, Howard's been very active on social media, teasing details about the movie. Um, and of course, that's where he also went to announce announce the name Solo. So, what are y'all's thoughts no. about Tag and Bink? I I have the books. Well, I don't have physical copies of the books. I have the digital copies, and I love the series. I've actually I never think read, I've read that. it once. I think <clears throat> I did read it once, but that was a long time ago. Oh, they're a great read. They are available on, uh, I believe they are available on um, Marvel Unlimited as well. Okay. Well, the one thing cool, I, I didn't realize John Kasdan, um, I looked at, I had to look him up because he, he is actually the son of Lawrence Kasdan. Yes. Famous Star Wars um, <laughs> scriptwriter, so it's keeping it in the family. Yes. Sorry. I, so, and also co-screenwriter of um, The Force Awakens was Larry Kasdan. Correct. Again, I, I'm looking to see if, if they are, yes. Tag and Bink are dead, and Tag and Bink Two, or Tag and Bink, Tag and Bink Two, um, are also on here. Uh, what's the cover of the first one? There's Tag and Bink Special Edition, and then Tag and Bink Revenge of the Clone, the Clone Menace are the three books, and they are all three available on Marvel Unlimited. As I'm stammering, stammering tonight. <laughs> it looks like yeah, they're available. They're also available on Comicsology if you don't have. And that would be because of Marvel. Yeah, they're what dollar ninety nine? Are they ninety nine cents? Um, no, they're more than that now. They back up. They're dollar ninety nine. Well, they're dollar ninety nine per issue. Okay, so they're a great read though. They're worth picking up if you're going to get this one. Tag of Bink, we're here. Yes, that's um seven ninety nine, but it's ninety four uh, pages. That is the three books together. Okay. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, you got Tag of Bink or Dead. Tag of Bink two. Uh, special edition. Tag of Bink two again. And then Tag of Bink two. Revenge of the Clone Menace. Oh, special edition there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I think that covers the movie stuff. Let's get into gaming news, and this kind of broke today. Yes, it did. <clears throat> yes, it did. Excuse me. Um, so we have some news about Star Wars Battlefront 2, uh, some campaign details uh, talking about how long the game is. Uh, and this comes from uh, comicbook.com, one of our favorites. Uh, now that Star Wars fans have gotten a taste of what Star Wars Battlefront 2 has in store from getting down on some hardcore beta testing, which I wish I had done, but many were wondering just how much of a story the single player campaign will have. Unlike the first game, which was disappointing, uh, Battlefront 2 will have an extensive story-driven mode in addition to the expected multiplayer, and now we know just how big of a campaign it will be. Motive Studios, one of the teams behind the upcoming Star Wars title, recently answered a fan a few questions in a new interview, and one of the topics that came up was the longevity of the campaign itself. Uh, studio producer Dave Robillard had this to say. We thought that around five to seven, maybe eight hours is probably a good amount of time. We wanted to stay very driven towards Star Wars fantasy that the players are going to experience and not have it be drawn out. So the story follows Aiden Versio, an Imperial soldier tasked to undergo dangerous missions with the Inferno squad. Though, not to give anything away, her story was a fleshed-out one despite it being on the shorter side of the experience. Uh, The narrative was handled with care 
and it was fantastic to see given so many players voicing their concerns of it being rushed or simply thrown in to appease fans. Uh, so even though it feels like a short campaign, the timescale isn't that unheard of within the world of online shooters. With the recent closure of Visceral Games and their Star Wars story-driven title was, transferring hands to EA. I was about to say that. I'm which we, that after the story. <laughs> we actually just talked about on Weeby Geeks. Yep. Uh, fans want to be able to enjoy a solid experience, both with single-player and multiplayer modes. So there's no word on what's going to come out of the visceral title, but at least those looking forward to Battlefront 2 have something to be. Uh, that comes out on November 17th for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. That's the one thing I wanted from the Battlefront game was a, a story mode. And the fact that they're doing it from an imperial perspective is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a there's a been a last couple of years has been a trend in gaming that um, if you have a strong multiplayer game that they're um, leaving off the one player story modes. Vicky, uh, my wife, yeah. uh, got Titanfall because she thought that was, that looks phenomenal. But then you find out everything you have you have to be online to do anything in that game. There is no single player period. Right, right. which is exactly why I didn't uh, end up getting that game. Yeah. Well, I um, felt the same way. It looked cool, but yeah, I don't like the I don't like the multiplayer only stuff. No, I I'd almost rather do it myself than than the multiplayer because a lot of times, like, I have a specific strategy that I like or want to try and pull off, and you can't do that in multiplayer, right? Yeah, because no one wants to cooperate. Yeah. Well, also when you you get players like me, like I am a terrible first person player, period. Right. At all. Yeah. But a lot of your first person games and things like or in games of that style have phenomenal story. So it's like, well, if there's if I can play it single player, that's great. I can turn it to easy right. and play through the game and get the story. Yeah. So and I don't yeah. have to just run around and get slaughtered. Right. It's true too. I like to play the games at my own pace and not have to worry about measuring up to everybody else. See, that, yeah. that's what I liked about the original Battlefront 2, is I was able to play at my own pace. I was able to do things how I wanted to. Right. I, I was kind of hoping we would see the actual Battlefront 3 that was talking about, and hopefully this is that Battlefront 3. Mm, doubtful. Yeah, but I have more hope for this than I do with what we had with the first one. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the first one, don't get me wrong, but the the movement engine I have found difficult. I mean, partially because I'm not a heavy gamer, I'm a I'm a moderate gamer. <laughs> so yeah. part of it was definitely out of my realm. So No, I'm waiting to see they need to someone needs to go back and make another game similar, another phenomenal role playing game like Knights of the Old Republic was, the first one. Yeah. We need another good Star Wars role-playing game. That For a long time, 10, 15 years, that was still rated one of the greatest role-playing games ever made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Not just a Star doubt. Wars game, but just a role-playing game. Uh, that, that, I love that, that game. That game was so great. Without so, a doubt, yeah. That's what we need. We don't, I mean, uh, shooters are the big game right now, the big style. Yeah. So hopefully someone will, something will happen and bring role-playing games back in the forefront so we can get some good role-playing games out of it. We can hope. Yeah, that's all we can do. That's all we can do right now. Yeah. So, uh, well, if we got a couple of minutes, I want to talk about uh, something that we've not really talked about on the show here, but something that Star Wars fanboys and fangirls for years have discussed these. And um, what it is, is have you ever put any thought into what are your favorite vehicles in the saga? Sure. 
Oh yeah. Cut it down to three. See what we got here, guys. And, we'll, and prepare to defend yourself. Well, I'll, <laughs> let, let's everyone go with our first. So, Kim, why don't you start it off since you led this conversation? Okay. Well, for me, my number one has always been and always will be the X-Wing. But then I think that's going to be a common number one for a lot of people. I mean, it's it's just it, who didn't grow up wanting to be Luke Skywalker to, doing the Death Star Trench Run? True. And I did own two of the old Kenner X-Wings. I had the regular one and the battle damaged. I think the one I have up here is um, the Power of the Force when Hasbro first put it out, when Hasbro first got the series, the line. Okay. I have a, I don't remember what it what it was called, but it's a, it's actually a bigger X-Wing and it's not actually a toy, but it, well, it is, but it's not like the, like the Luke figure is permanently in there and stuff uh, but it has okay. it has noise noises and lights and stuff and i love it <laughs> <laughs> well derek what's your first favorite well i would have went with the x-wing as well but if i'm gonna pick something well, hmm? i say that could also be your favorite <laughs> all right then i'm gonna go with the x-wing i always like the uh single man fighters and Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break from the mold here. My top favorite, because I'm assuming number one's our top favorite. Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's the Falcon. Who would have thought? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I I have always been fascinated by the Falcon. I I love the Falcon. It's that's my ship, and I am so excited when Star Wars: A Galaxy's Edge does open to get to go play on my ship. That piece of junk. Hey, watch it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that ship's garbage. Okay, we'll take the garbage. <laughs> so I guess let's move on to number two. Oh, this now it gets difficult because number one's easy. Yeah, uh, number um, two's easy for me. So, well, what? yeah, I, I know what yours is going to be already. Oh, do you? I didn't think what. Um, you know what's interesting? Thinking about this, the Imperial side never even jumps into my mind on any of this, <laughs> or the Separatists. Uh, actually, you know what? The Naboo and one Starfighter. Good choice. That thing was just beautiful. That yeah, it was, yeah. And it's agile and fast. Especially when when you see the older brother of the Freemakers obsess over it as well. Ah, okay. Because he, he obsesses, obsesses over one in the first season of... Uh, the Freemaker Adventures. Ah, interesting. It also just it just looks like Mercury flying around. Yeah, yeah. It's really it is a really cool ship. So what do you got, Derek? Mm, I would have to say that my number two choice would be uh, number two. Wait, <laughs> sorry, Pigs of the Week. No, no, I'm not picking. I'm not picking uh, the Falcon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know. Just kidding. Actually, I love the Falcon. But for number two, I'm going to go with the uh, Imperial Star Destroyer. Strong choice I just, as well. I just love the yeah. uh, I love the size of them. And just, just the, which one? The regular standard Imperial class? <sighs> I think that it's almost like the Super Star Destroyer has got too much going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the – yeah, I'm going to stick with the – Just the standard from the original movies. Yeah. It, and it was just something about like the opening scene of the 
of of a new hope when that star destroyer flies overhead yeah yeah i love the star destroyers they're just so cool okay so ken since you say you think you know i'll let you take a guess at my number two it's probably the adat it is the adat yep <laughs> i love the walkers i really do and maybe that's maybe the giveaway was because i said i really want the adat driver backpack <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I I just I I, I love the ad at it, it's it's an amazing amazing vehicle. Uh, I mean to see that back when it came out, I was like no, and to see that it just, no laser blast was affecting it. It's like mm-hmm. the rebels are are doomed. <laughs> Plus, that was the one well, toy I've always wanted and never got for the action figures. Yeah, but I do. Well, that's ha- I do also, have. I do have one of the micro ones from Lego. I have one of the original ones actually out in my garage. Me too. Oh. Well, not my. I have an original one, and I have the uh, re-release oh. one. Yeah, I, I wanted the at act that was remote controlled. Oh yeah, you can still get it. Well, the interesting yeah, one with that I'm one is that one came with the well, they had the Nerf um, darts in it. It's yeah. interesting if um, when you're ready to fire the Nerf, it opens the um, the dart door almost like a torpedo bay on a submarine. Yep, <laughs> it is cool. Mm. But um, the, you couldn't beat back the back in Empire when uh, you did not know what this was, and they showed just the rebels feel the rumble coming. You oh yeah, thump, yeah. Thump, and then you look through the macro binoculars and see these things coming at them. Yeah. Well, it, it, if you go as as well back as the um, Empire at War video game. Which yeah. is not canon, but easily could be. You you learn that um oh Admiral is it Admiral? No. Oh, what's his name? For which side? Imperial. Um He's the one who says yes. Um General Veers. There we go. Okay, yes. Um we we find out in in uh, in Empire at War that Veers was behind developing the ad at and, and bring it in in empire at war you you start the first prototypes of the ad at hmm. um well that's been changed now since um yeah. rebels because you see that they're well yeah. during rebels oh right? yeah well technically empire at war would even take place before new hope you know part of it and that's when we see the ad ads appears before in some of the missions that are pre pre-original trilogy okay well so. i'm in the process of reading twilight company right now the battlefront novel oh and it's interesting because a couple of the um have you guys read that one no that's on the list to get as well a, a couple of the characters actually are on hoth during the battle of hoth okay and it's interesting seeing basically everything you see in the movie but from the side because they're from one of they're in one of the um flanking positions right oh wow and here seeing the description of the battle of hoth from another side yeah so that was an awesome part of that book so uh how about y'all's number third number three pick oh <sighs> Now it gets difficult. See, this yeah. is where, this one's a tie for me. I think mine's a tie as well, actually. I'm trying to think. Is there anything from the... Um, that, uh, that's not my choice there. <laughs> I, I now, did not, you mean a tie or a tie fighter? <laughs> <laughs> um, you just kind of have to wait and find know. out. I'm a, yeah. You know, it was kind of... No. <laughs> I don't know. You guys have to swing back around. Now, I've been reminiscing about all the other vehicles. What else do we got that was really awesome? You know what was actually kind of cool? Java Sail Barge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically I, a floating casino. I have yeah. I have behind scenes footage of the whole sail barge deck battle that oh, really? has appeared on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I actually um it's a program similar to tube to the old tube sock where you could download YouTube videos and I, I have the one of the of the uh shooting of 
the Jedi cell barge. It's like all behind the scenes That's shot cool. of it. it. It's pretty awesome. And actually, I think I want to change that up, but I can't find it. You have to come back because I can't find the name of it yet. I'm waiting to bring okay. it up. And actually, I'm going to dig into the EU for this one, the old EU. Okay. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, ah, crud. Now, with the walk, with the AT-ATs, I will say I did like the AT-ACT, and I do kind of like the new Gorilla Walkers as well. So just the walker in general, I think it's pretty cool. I'm not okay. sure about the Gorilla Walkers yet. I'll yeah, see them in see action. They do. Yeah. Be- there better be an ADAT type pilot for that thing instead of, oh, the ADAT could have either an ADAT pilot or the tank driver that we see in, yeah. in Rogue One. That mm-hmm. since that's not a a official, it's a cargo vehicle, not a troop transport. Either one of the two drivers classify. I'm like, yeah, cop out. <laughs> well, I had, uh, thinking of Jabba Sail Barge reminded me about. Do you guys remember the Aaron Venture? Yes, I don't remember. Booster what- Tarek. Booster Tarek had taken an old Imperial Star Destroyer, retrofitted it to become basically a smuggler's paradise and casino. Uh, in the novel, in the novel's post Return of the Jedi in the old EU, right. he was actually the father of Mira Tarek, Mirax Tarek, who was the um, wife of Corrin Horn, who was a Jedi. Yep, yep. And he actually had a um, a pretty decent um, role in a in a bunch of the books. Um, he was in uh, um, the New Jedi Order series. He was in um, a lot of the Smugglers books. He was all over the place. It was Booster Tarek? Yeah, I would I would love to see him make an appearance in Solo. Yeah, I, I would, I would love happen. to see some of the old Smugglers from the from the uh, the old Smuggler series pop in as came Talon Card. Yep. I, that's what I'm wondering if not if Woody Harrelson may not be one of these other Smugglers we've heard of back in the past, and that's why they've never actually mentioned his name. Could be. Maybe. Could be. It'll be a, maybe someone we actually have heard of and we know who this is. Yeah. So, Derek, your final final pick. Well, uh, as I said, mine's actually a tie because uh, I was bouncing these back and forth in my head and I can't actually pick one. So I'll go with both of them. And they're a little bit, excuse me while I stretch, they may be a little bit unconventional. unconventional. Um, so uh, one is the speeder bike okay because i've always just i've always ever since i saw return of the jedi i wanted to ride a speeder bike so bad not in a forest but and uh the next one is uh queen amidala's starship that's mercury flying through space yeah, yeah. any any of amidala's ships that that big chrome one oh. yeah when i saw that i was like oh that's beautiful i actually have a toy of that like a uh to scale with the three quarter inch three eight three and a quarter, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I I I would I would love to get the astromech out of that. I have that, which is the the red one, and I know you're yep. not going to part with it either. So it came with the ship. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, mine are also a tie, and actually one of them is a tie. Oh. I, I love the Tie Fighter series. Yeah, the the, the Tie Fighter. Yeah. Whether it's the standard, the striker, the prototype, the um, the interceptor, the bombers, just the, the ties themselves, I was mm. always fascinated with. And then the second part of the tie is Luke's land speeder. Mm. Good choice. So yeah, I, I've always loved Luke's land speeder as well. So. Yeah, I mean, honorable mention for me would, would be the X-Wing, because I, I do love the X-Wing, but 
Yeah. The the four that make up my top three, since the last one's tied, the, those are ones I would definitely go out of the way for. Yeah, see, I, like, I would put the Falcon at my number four. Okay. For mine, it would be up Definitely. there. The Falcon would be up there, but it's like, there's so much to choose from yeah. that, that's out there. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like, the, the some of the beautiful streaming, the lines of, like, Lambda-class shuttles. Mm, yeah. Those things are beautiful. Yep. And look at the um, the Rebel fleet. The Nebulon B cruisers are um, oh, crazy yeah. looking. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've always liked the, Mon- the design of the Mon Calamari ships. Yep. Yeah. The the A wing in itself is a beautiful fighter as well. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. If I remember right, it's the only one that doesn't use an astromech. Mm-hmm. Or uh, actually, no, I could be wrong. I don't think the uh, B wings have an astromech support either. Oh no, yeah, I don't think they do. Uh, the A wing or the uh, the Y wing does. The X wing does. I don't remember. Do the A wings have a hyperdrive? I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, I don't think. No, so, no, no. Yeah. In Return of the Jedi, they are part of the fleet that jumps in. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I thought they were actually in the hangars and once they arrived, flew out. I don't remember. I'd have to pop in Return of Jedi and look. Again. Yeah. Well, because so- I know that's um, one of the major reasons to have an X ex- or an astromech was to do the hyperdrive calculations. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, speaking uh-huh. of calculations, how about how about books? Okay. Here's the following books that are coming out in uh, in the next two weeks. Um, U.S. release on Tuesday the 24th, we got Star Wars Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor, which is a Journey to the Last Jedi book. Um, it's written by Ryder Wyndham and Adam or, and Adam Bray. Uh, a New Hope introduced the Stormtroopers um, to, you know, to the to the franchise. Uh, this book allows you to explore the striking warriors and their evolution in depth for the first time, trace the roots of their creation and design, and explore how these elite troopers have been depicted in the movies, cartoons, comics, novels, and merchandising. Uh, the second one is a children's paperback book from Disney Lucasfilm Press, and it's Adventures in Wild Space Number 5, The Cold. Milo and Lena Graff have picked up the trail of their kidnapped parents, but an ambush in the depths of wild space leaves them stranded on a desolate ice planet. With an old enemy out for revenge, can they survive the cold? Uh, then on Wednesday, new comic book day, we have Jedi of the Old Republic, Mace Windu, number three. Mace and his squad, and his squad's first mission of the newly begun Clone Wars continues. What do the Separatists want when the planet, uh, with the planet of Hisrich? Can Mace overcome mercenary droid ADW4 to stop them? <laughs> um, and then the following Tuesday, we have Star Wars Adventures Volume 1, Heroes of the Galaxy. It's a, the, the paperback. And it's travel to a galaxy far, far away in the first volume of an all-new series as a rotating cast of characters journey through Star Wars history. Characters major and minor, classic and new, expand the world of Star Wars into new territory, telling larger-than-life stories that encapsulate the the breadth of the galactic struggle between good and evil for a new generation of fans. And then also a Journey to the Last Jedi series. Line book 
Legends of Luke Skywalker. Uh, it's a children's hardback. It's a collection of myths and tall tales about the legendary Jedi Luke Skywalker. Now, I said this was the American release. Here's what's coming out in the UK, since we do have UK listeners, um, for the same time period. And I'm going to double check. On the 20th, or on the 25th, again, Jedi of the, Old, uh, of the Republic, Mace Windu number three. Uh, also, two on the 31st will be Legends of Luke Skywalker and Star Wars Adventures Volume 1, Heroes of the Galaxy. So that's the books coming out uh, here and over in the UK. Nice. The last couple of weeks. <clears throat> uh, to answer your previous question, Ken, uh, yes, A Wings do apparently have hyperdrives. Oh, okay. They just don't have Astromechs. Interestingly enough, I don't. I don't remember seeing Astromech on them. No, they don't. So, well then, any final thoughts as we go to wrap up the show? Um, actually, I got one real quick. Uh, this is actually from right around near me, up towards Cleveland, just outside of Cleveland in Parma, Ohio. There's a man who actually has um built a two-story AT-AT walker on his front lawn for Halloween. Really? If you go to cleveland.com and look this up, which is the Cleveland Plain Dealers website, they have uh, uh they have pictures. There's nine pictures of this thing. This thing is huge and it is beautiful. Yeah, I've seen the picture. It's it's really cool. Yeah. I may have to drive up there and look the, look it up. The, uh, the support with it is to to keep it up is pretty amazing. Yeah. Mm. He basically had to nail it to his house. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um Nick Meyer is the guy who built it. Um and it says he's on anybody who was in the Cleveland area or Northeast Ohio area that wants to check this out. It says he's on um Lueldo Avenue. And it's right on his front lawn. I'm sure you can't miss it from two or three blocks away. Um, yeah. it's the four-legged walker. Um, this replica is massive. Let me see. He it said he's for um, it's built out of hard foam, wood, and plastic barrels. Mm. Wow. Um, he's been collecting raw materials for the walker and molding them into the shapes he needs. Um, since April, and he's been putting the parts together in his backyard before assembling them on his front yard. He says that it was a weekend project. And he would tinker with it on and on the weekends. Uh, he had a several friends show up at his house over um, last weekend and um, to help him actually put it together. Well, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah, this thing is awesome. It's huge. Like I said, I may have to drive up there to get some pictures with it and stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. See, this would have been a good time to have had a Wookiee Radio shirt. Yeah. Which you could you could still order Wookie Radio merchandise off our T Public store, which you can link to from the website. And apparently they've added like pillows and tapestries and other stuff now too. Interesting. I'm gonna have hmm. to go back and see what we can add. So Yeah. Uh, did, but that's the that's the last thing I found for this week. Cool. It sound like Derek, you had something as well. Indeed I do. Um Star Wars Net Newsnet had uncovered uh, a Reddit post from a fan who was lucky enough to talk to Abrams, JJ Abrams, and uh, and uh, Chris Terrio, and uh, he said uh, the fan said about them. They said that they're going to be brave and there will be big surprises. Uh, I got the impression that JJ felt like he had to refresh previous Star Wars moments for a modern audience in The Force Awakens, and now it feels like they have free reign to do what they want. Apparently, they've had no interference from Kathleen or Pablo or the Lucasfilm Story Group. Nine is also the film which unites all three trilogies and brings everything together. That's all they would tell me. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so it sounds mm-hmm. interesting. 
Awesome. Well, I have nothing else except I'm going to be updating our, our T Public store to where you could get Wookie Radio pillow, tapestry, totes, some other cool new stuff like that. So look for Thanks. that. Look for, look for that coming. Um, and if that's going to wrap it up, then I'm just going to say this. It's time to say wrap up. Bye bye. Give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.